it could be as a conversation between Sabine and and Ahsoka. I'd be like, oh yeah, but by the way, Bo-Katan and I were having ice cream the other day. Thinking of you. We just met some coffee over some Brady coffee. Just had a. You know, Welcome to Death Watch, the Star Wars podcast from a galaxy not so far, far away. I'm Mike Bennett. And I'm Chris Skull. And today we'll be talking about one of our favorite Disney princesses, Bo-Katan Kryze, and are joined by a friend of the show, Anna Marie Peterson. Anna, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hannah, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I create on TikTok under the username Discount Bo-Katan. I do a little bit of, you know, my little Star Wars humor thing. Um, and I also host a podcast um, called the uh, Star Wars Podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. So we're going to be talking about the heiress to the throne of Mandalore. Uh, the leader of the Night Owls, and also a one-time supporter to Darth Maul, but also currently Din Djarin's brand new frenemy slash rival. Kind of don't know where that's going to take us for season three, but maybe we can take a few minutes later on to, to speculate on what that, what that means. But um, we will be talking about Bo-Katan Kryze. We've seen her on screen in the Clone Wars as well as the Rebels series, but we also just saw her live-action debut starting with chapter 11 in season two, the heiress of the Mandalorian. So um, Hannah, when you, I'm, I'm presuming you saw that particular episode of, of the Mandalorian when it, when it came out, chapter 11. Yes. Okay. When you, because <laughs> we kind of, when we did the recap of that episode, we kind of had different, um, different op- opinions to this question. But when you saw the, the title card where it said the heiress, uh, what was the first thing? That went through your mind. Who do you think it was going to be? I'm not going to lie. It wasn't Bo-Katan. I was like, oh, he's going to rescue some rich lady from something. Um, <laughs> and I just, I was clueless. I knew that Bo-Katan was like very much rumored to be in there. I think because she's such like a bro, it's really easy to forget that she's like a member of the royal family. So I didn't, I didn't like associate Eris with Bo mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're I, not alone because neither did I. <laughs> I, but I thought Eris meant that the frog lady was some kind of princess. <laughs> and oh my we were God. gonna, we were gonna find out her. You know, reputation is is a lot bigger than we thought. But um, I still would no. hold it. I wouldn't hold it past them to make the the frog lady some sort of like rich barrenness of She's some frog population. Like yeah. I thought that you know, there's so many one-off characters in in Mandalorian and stuff. People really like frog lady like she's stuck around <laughs> yeah she's right up there with peli Mato. yeah i mean couple schools you know they've they, they come together far off places raising a family together i mean it's it's nice it's nice you got a little bit of the infant infanticide uh oh, yeah. <laughs> storyline <laughs> it's it's got everything you need yeah and she's not a bad shot too if you think about it she's pretty reliable with a, with a blaster when you need it's it it's true um, so Hannah, we kind of have this game with our guest hosts where we ask them, like, what's your your top Star Wars list? It can cl- include the animated series too. Like, what's your top three in terms of the movies of the franchise, and like, what's your least favorite? So this is where I lose cool points because my favorite Star Wars movie is The Last Jedi, and I know that's mm-hmm. controversial. It, it it's my it's favorite. not controversial. It's just wrong. Oh, I'm just well. <laughs> touching my invisible pearls here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we we, we usually ask this question: What is your least favorite Star Wars movie, and why is it The Last Jedi? <laughs> oh my god! Um, 
my God. No, it's the best one. You're, you, you're blind. So we um, actually, we actually going to be doing an episode that the following one uh, with Brooke uh, B. Dazzler talking specifically okay. about The Last Jedi so we can get like all these, all these points because I mean, we're not seeing it. I mean, Mike and I, we just, we just don't see it, but you, you have to, you, you can't be blind to the fact that a lot of people like yourself, they love it so much. So yeah. We're we, gonna uh, have we a- try not to be gatekeepers about it either. You're welcome nah. to like your movies. So yeah. you. you like, you like the last Jedi. I love the last Jedi. I have a last mm. Jedi poster like in my room. Um, nice. And uh, my second favorite is empire. And then third is rogue one. Man, I, it seems to me like everybody's second favorite is always Empire Strikes Back. It's never like the top one spot, but it's everyone's number two spot. And I've never it's understood It's like the pre-approved that. good answer, you know? <laughs> like, if you don't want to be attacked by anyone, say Empire, Stri- Empire Strikes Back and they'll be like, okay, it, you have taste. <laughs> it's a safe choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess. Also, yeah. when you're a controversial one, your first one is controversial. I you can be like, no, no, it but out. it's okay. Empire is my second. <laughs> and I, I have still to, like the OG. I have, I have to move down Rise. I really like Rise of Skywalker as well. I have to move it down on my list every time I post it because I'm like, yeah. I really it's number five, but I gotta put it lower than that. <laughs> and and Rogue One, I really like Rogue One too. Is I it definitely original in terms of the of the story but also some of the the themes and the scenes that they that they shot there and i love a good um, self-contained story as well like you get really the whole you know enchilada from one movie yeah it's great when you know everyone dies from the beginning because you're like oh i don't have to invest in these characters at all i kind of know yeah <laughs> like i kind of know how them. it ends yeah. i know how it ends but i want to see how it happens you know well, yeah. what I about first your thought, i didn't know that they were all gonna die to be honest i was like i mean probably some of them but i don't know all of them yeah, that was it went pretty dark real quick. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, that's, that's that's true. With- if if we have Ahsoka showing up after the original Star Wars trilogies, and she only existed before them in the in Rebels and Clone Wars, there's no reason why Cassian Andor couldn't have or Cassian Andor couldn't have uh, shown up somewhere in in the Mandalorian or whatever. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. What about your uh, least favorite of the franchise? Yeah, um, that one's got to be Attack of the Clones, unfortunately. I know some people, you know, have a lot of sentimental value attached to it, but I actually Mm -hmm. didn't see any prequels until I was, like, 16. So I don't really have that, like, you know, nostalgia associated. So I just, it's hard for me to, (laughs) hard for me to watch. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of feel the same way because Mike and I, we saw when the prequels came out, we were already in our teens, but we had say, ironically, seen. we also saw them when we were we 16. Also, yeah. <laughs> but and like, we saw we, them in the theater. <laughs> we saw them in the theaters when they came out because we are men of a certain age and we saw the original trilogy back, you know, when it was, when VHS was, was still a thing. So like we grew up with the original trilogy. And then when you see the prequels are like, I mean, we know they needed to happen, but it's like, me. You That's know, exactly just, where I was at with you. Yeah. yeah. I, well, and I even saw the prequels after I saw The Force Awakens. Like that was that was like wow. sort of the order of viewing. I saw all the originals as a kid. My I had mm-hmm. not seen a single um prequel. My parents didn't find I it didn't, important. I don't think it would really uh, have that much of an impact in terms of the story because visually and storyline they're both completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, chunks of of history, so I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you. So I got one more question for you if you had 24 hours to live as any Star Wars character. Who would it be and why is it Salacious Crumb? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I was I was. I'm actually, sorry, who? The, the, the monkey. Crumb. The, mu- the Muppet parrot 
the monkey parrot muppet he hangs out that, with Jabba. Uh, Jar Jar, that Jar Jar Banks hangs yeah, um, the one Jabba that, the Hutt, that we were roasting on a fire pit in literally um, roasting the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yes, oh, man. I was going to say Palpatine though. Parrots. I I'm, I I would love like that little god complex for just a day. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. are we talking about Senator Palpatine? Um, Vice or uh, Chancellor Palpatine, or the disfigured, uh, <laughs> awful, wrinkly Emperor Palpatine. I mean, he's already p- playing five D chess when he's like Chancellor Palpatine, so you don't really yeah. need to be Emperor Palpatine to have like that, you know, power trip going on. That's true. I mean, if you think about it, all of Star Wars is one big power trip for Sheevy Palps. So Sheev, oh, he's, I kind of like that they brought him back. I was like, ah, oh, Sheev again. I do, I do appreciate. I do appreciate that they brought the original actor back, just with I don't know what they were doing in terms of the prosthetics or, or whatever. But with his eight and a half fingers, he was able to make a pretty decent recurring villain. So anyway, <laughs> so um, thank you for that. Yeah, ready to go. Why don't we dive into the episode? So why don't we start by giving a quick intro to who Bo-Katan is? Chris, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so Bo-Katan, as we mentioned before, she is the heiress to the to the throne of Mandalore. But when we saw that, we only we, we didn't even find that out initially in her first appearances in the Clone Wars. It was later revealed that she was the sister to Duchess Satine. So she grew up as a Mandalorian, but at some point in their in their history, what they were known for back in, in, in Legends was that they were a very militaristic race. But at some point they learned the error of their ways and tried to become a more peaceful Mandalore. So they became known as the as the new Mandalorians. The issue with that is that not everybody saw eye to eye with that with that mentality. So there were several offshoots, most notably the Death Watch. Uh, which is what the the name of our podcast is is based off of. So for I just her, realized we named ourselves after like the Al Qaeda of of Mandalorians. <laughs> and meanwhile, everybody listens to, the, to our podcast is like, "Hey, this is Chris and Mike. We're just yeah. Uh, yeah these are <laughs> some real chill dudes you know, who you know, just ASMR. hang back. Yeah, <laughs> just <hang. laughs> it's not. I, I don't even know how to reply to that. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yes, uh, she was. We've seen her before in the Clone Wars. One thing that I never understood is how old she actually is. Because um, I need to know what her, her skincare routine, because if the Mandalorian takes place dozens of years after we see her first and after the fall of the Empire, and she still looks that good, I need to know what product, what space, like L'Oreal, she's using to to continue to look so youthful. Well, let's think uh, about because it, it's it's like twenty two years after the Clone Wars yeah. is when she first shows up in in um, uh, Rebels, right? So right. it's kind of like she's got like a, you know like a little bit of a forehead crease line. Like they they aged her a little bit for Rebels, but then Katie Sackhoff came in looking young and gorgeous, yeah. and it's like whoa. As she- as she has been for like the last 30 years. Yeah. I was just trying to look up how old actually the Katie Sekhoff is, but is she, 40? she I, I think she is. It's, it's um, not coming out for me, but the um, she's got bo It's got to be at least 50 by the time we see her in yeah. the Mandalorian. Unless if you just, she was younger than we thought. Um, she could be yeah, like w- 
Sateen's Sateen's real little sister, you know, could explain mm-hmm. why she has an American. I was thinking accent. about that. Yeah, g- given the kind of culture that Mandalore has in terms of making sure that they're they're very well Spartan, both both figuratively and you know as a callback to the actual Spartans in our history, um, they probably trained her when she was very young, like. 16 17 uh you know no different than in our armies when you're 18 well if she was in death watch she was likely being trained similar to how din jaren and the like the younglings or the foundlings were in that yeah. covert um on um like in the mandalorian so she was probably she got her helmet when she was a kid and learned to to fight at she a did, young age she did so mention, she could be my age and and you know well, I'm 20, so that and then add like 22 years, and then it's like kind of Katie Sackoff age by the time yeah, we yeah. get to like she, the original trilogy era. So maybe I think very yeah, I think this sounds about right. And even and she also said and she mentioned at some point that her armor has been in her family for oh when the Mandalorian when Din Djarin first sees her because you don't you don't deserve that armor because this has been in my family for generations. Like don't don't touch this is <laughs> you don't touch that. So she's had a pretty extensive career that we've seen across the Clone Wars uh, and the Rebels series. Are there any like particular episodes sort of as a maybe as a quick primer or maybe just like recommendations? Like, are there any specific arcs that that you would recommend the viewers to look at um, if you want to get a good sort of primer as to what the character of Bo-Katan is? Yeah, there's that little arc in, um, it's the one at the end of which, spoiler alert, uh, her sister dies. Um, where what? Wait, who? <laughs> Satine, I know. She, oh, I oh no. To ruin anything. Not to ruin the show that came out in 2008. Um, but <laughs> it, um, basically, like, the arc is that um, she's been working with Darth Maul to um, get, you know, a new Mandalore in place and is trying to overthrow her sister. And then um, when Maul kind of turns it on on their head and says, actually, I'm going to rule Mandalore now, um, she kind of has like a moment of realization, like, oh, my God, I messed up um, and uh, mm-hmm. turns on Death Watch, essentially. So that's like, uh, you know, before that, she's there and she's like doing Death Watch things, burning villages to the ground and the like. But um, that's like the point at which I sort of think that we start to see her as like the Bo-Katan that we know and like experience during the Mandalorian. So I would say that that's like a good, a good primer. And then she's also in um, uh, the, you know, season seven of the Clone Wars. And those are some great episodes and I recommend anyone watch them. Um, But Mm -hmm. that sort of shows her getting like, reinstated um into you know power um in mandalore so that's yeah. sort of an important thing to know if you're going into mando i like how that arc also kind of establishes further her relationship with ahsoka because it obviously is important in the mandalorian because it's how we move between their characters with man with mando um but the, they're like their connection on the planet as she's trying to hunt down maul and the kind of the partnership that they develop is is cool yeah we um the part that has always confused me though is where the handling of the dark saber comes in and we see that first where sabine you know she finds it but she doesn't feel like she's equipped to actually wield it and to lead Mandalore. So there's several episodes where she's sort of juggling that. But she acknowledges 
that Bo-Katan is, has the right to the throne, so she just gives it to her. But then we see sort of what seems like a contradiction in the, again, spoiler alert for Mandal Mandalorian, um, Din Djarin is trying to give it to her because he fought it off of Moff Gideon. And she won't take it. They're both like, and they're both like, nope. You know what I was I was thinking about this because it is such a huge contradiction. And the the best explanation that I can come up with is that because she took it from Sabine without following sort of the protocol, and then eventually it ends up in Moff Gideon's hand, that perhaps the intermediate period, like things went poorly because Mandalorians didn't like Ex like respect her rule or they like rose up against her and maybe helped facilitate how um moff gideon eventually got it from her so that maybe we will find out that the last time she just took a, a saber from someone that it was handed to her it didn't go well it didn't it didn't establish her as the leader and she won't do it again without actually winning it in the way that the legend requires. And to add on to that, I mean, she's already, she, at this point during Mando, she's mm -hmm. been in control of, of, of Mandalore twice because the Empire, you know, instated her um, mm -hmm. at the end of, of, or at the rise of the Empire, at the end of the Republic, they, they sort of put her in power. Um, and she lost that power once, and then she lost it again between, you know, rebel, uh, yeah, rebels and Mando. Mm -hmm. She can't like just willy nilly take the throne a third time. She's really got to prove it if she's going to show up for a third time. They're like her again. Like she's got to, yeah. you know, sort of earn her spot and they're in their good graces at this point. Yeah, yeah, because Mandalore is broken up into clans and it, and it does require unification. There are people who follow her. There are the members of the Night Owls that will look to her as as a leader, but for for them, for their immediate group. So there's no question that she has her her people backing her but the issue is that there are others and other families and other clans that if she wants to unite mandalore against the remnants of the empire or just make mandalore whole again she has to prove to to them that she has what it takes to be a leader and that's where this yeah. conflict comes in from what we see at the end of the mandalorian and um one thing that i've mentioned before and i want to get your thoughts on this is is the theory that now that Ma that Din Djarin has the dark saber, the title of the show, The Mandalorian, is more than just "Hey, we're talking about you know this particular Mandalorian." We're actually speaking of the Mandalorian, like Mandalore the Great. That Din Djarin may be, you know, sort of a pauper to prince sort of situation, where he's actually going to be next in line to rule Mandalore. And the way that Bo-Katan deals with him or or speaks to him kind of makes me think that she's thinking that also she doesn't like it but there's a chance that she may have to accept that we'll just sort of have to wait and see you know see what uh you know feloni and favreau and crew have to offer uh for season three hopefully no um helicopter sabers but you know I you never know they could, you could like it's install a second dark saber on the end of that one and have them spin oh, around god i was afraid oh, you were gonna say that dark sabers would be so cool and the dark sabers are like flat blades so they actually make more sense it, as it would actually sabers. yeah oh god why no don't don't say that because then dave filoni is gonna hear this <laughs> and then he's gonna put a pet put it back in post and they're like hey that's a great that means there's double bladed lightsabers yeah why can't we make a double bladed dark saber Dave Filoni has once liked one of our 
TikTok post, so it Ooh. is very possible that he's uh, hearing this. Dave. Yeah, if you're listening, Dave. 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 <laughs> we need helicopter Dave. dark sabers. Do it. <laughs> oh, man. We can't. No, I can't. I can't have it. So what about her reception as, as a character? What do you think when you first saw her on screen? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, the first time that I watched The Clone Wars through um, was 2016. Um, you know, it's been quite a few years, and I don't remember having, like, a particularly strong reaction other than, oh, redhead! Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my that's my thing. Um, and uh, I, I, I can't say that I, like, remember how I felt the first time that I watched it. However, um, when I watched The Clone Wars and I was um, season seven, you know, um, last year, was it last year or 2019? That it came no, out? it was 2000. It was last year because it yeah. was like the thing that got people through the first month of the pandemic. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Clone Wars. Yeah. It, um, I was when I was sort of reintroduced to her, I, I kind of had to like go back and be like, who is she again? But um, it it really, you know, it got me excited when I when I remembered and I was like, oh, yeah, I liked her. Um, and, uh, you know, getting to see her like a little bit more in action again. Um, and then finally, you know, when I got to The Mandalorian season two and we saw her um, in live action, as soon as I saw like the three, you know, Mandos coming down on the jetpacks, I was like, oh, yeah, like that was like a really strong reaction for me for that one. I don't know why that was so much stronger. I guess just because she was fresher in my mind now that I had mm -hmm. sort of done a little bit of a rewatch. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it it, um, it really got me pumped up when I saw her in The Mandalorian. And that's the reaction that I really remember because I, I was like, I, I think I like cheered out loud or something alone in my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Chris, it was a pretty you, cool moment. Yeah. Chris, you and I talked about this when she first was presented to us in Clone Wars, like she was a terrorist and like definitely a bad guy. Um, yeah. Like there, and it, it, it comes out later that her character gets more softened, um, gets less uh, sharp, I guess. But um, when you first meet her, she is legit a terrorist and like the the evil person of the series so at the moment. So mean. My gosh. Yeah. Like first thing we see her do is smack Ahsoka on the butt. Like, hello? Like, are you? That's very rude, you know? But yeah. then I think that's the reason why they they made it so that they they couldn't tell that there was a family um, connection between the Duchess sure. and Bo-Katan. In fact, I think I read somewhere that it wasn't, that the that the first um, realization wasn't even in, wasn't even on screen. It was actually in written form, like in a book where they mentioned that Bo-Katan's last name was Kreese and then that allowed people to make, make the connection. I think Dave Filoni didn't want people to make that association until much, much later on because that way we see the character from her own lens as opposed to comparing her to the more pacifist uh mm. duchess sure i thought that was interesting but um on do, on do that they, note like, though say what, what... even her her first name or in like the clone wars until we know that she's a sister i think in credits in the credits yes i don't remember okay. them actually saying it on the screen i thought so I, and i think that was also intentional um, one question I have because there's, yeah, exactly. Like it's a lot better than let's just give her a name, man. Um, Redhead actually, number one. Do you know the history as to why they called her Bo-Katan in the first place? I do not. No. So Dave Filoni has a cat, 
well, his his wife has a cat, so his wife's name is Anne. The cat's name is Boogie. So he decided to put all that together, Boogie Cat Anne, and he just shortened it to Bo-Katan. That's cute. And that's it. Kind so of a built, weird character to name your your wife. That's a made up yeah. story. There's no way that's true. <laughs> I'm. He went on record saying that that's exactly how he named the cat. I mean, named that's the, well, name the character and the cat. If it, but if you think about it, Bo-Katan is kind of feral. If you think about that's it. True. So even her personality is like, yeah, you know what? I I would believe it, especially if her name was Boogie. Um, That's great. But regarding regarding the character, and this seems to be a a divisive point when when characters are introduced in the, in the lore, especially with someone like Ray. Like, why do you think, or do you perceive rather, there were fewer criticisms uh, for someone like Bo-Katan or even Ahsoka compared to someone like Ray? And if so, why? Why do you think that is? I think that, well, I mean, there there were a lot of criticisms for Ahsoka when she first showed up. Let's be clear. People didn't like her um, in that Clone Wars movie um, that first came out. You know, I mean, because people, you know, the world just hates teenage girls. And she was a teenage girl. And they were like, ew. Um, and, you know, she was very much acting like it. You know, she wasn't very mature mm-hmm. um, because she was not war hardened, you know, yet. How dare yeah, she? She was literally, literally deployed on the battlefield. Like, okay. Your new Padawan now go to war. Fresh out of middle school, and uh, you know we're handed a lightsaber. So. <laughs> and we we give you the yeah. rank of commander. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, space homeschooling is is hard. I mean, <laughs> the, Jedi very don't, the Jedi don't play around. Like, okay, don't you get a tube top, you get a mini skirt, and you get a command of a battalion. Go and a, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the dream, man. That's the dream. Freshman year, let's go. Let's go to, that's let's a go that's war. a pretty pretty intense bar mitzvah oh man <laughs> and um but yeah i mean it, it wasn't as though you know it was all peaches and cream when ahsoka first showed up people didn't like her until she was like mm-hmm. more mature and more masculine yeah. and more you know whatever um uh people you it, know love yeah, to say I, I got that intentionally, intentionally wrote her to be hated um but i like I've never been able to find the interview that they are so fond of talking about of when Dave Filoni says, yeah, I wrote this character so you would hate her with the intention of making her better. Maybe yeah. that's just like I, out there in the world, but like it seems like a weird analysis. I think it's the same argument with um, with Anakin Skywalker. And um, it's it feels like they're kind of pulling straws. I mean, he had a background. Same with, I mean, their backgrounds are not exactly the same. But the fact is that they're slightly immature when you first see them. So their characters are going to act somewhat immature. But then it isn't until years later, like in Revenge of the Sith, where we actually start seeing a more mature Anakin. And it isn't until like Clone Wars season three and four that we start seeing a more uh, mature Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So I get, I mean, it's, it's true. Do you feel like there was an easier reception with someone like Bo-Katan versus Ahsoka when she first came out? I think it's always more comfortable to people when the woman, the badass woman, is um, not the main character. Uh, I think that that is much easier for people to digest um, because it does less to challenge their idea that, like, no, Star Wars is a man thing. The main characters have got to be real butch. But at the same time, Bo-Katan is a bro-Katan. You know, she really, like, she goes, you know, she's, again, she smacks Ahsoka on the behind, she like sort of pushes her into the tent with all the other slave girls. Ha ha ha! Laughs at her. She's like, she's she's not really a you know girl boss. She's sort of um, uh, the boss. 
Yeah, just the boss. So I, 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 think that's I, I doubt she. I doubt she ever tweeted hashtag feminism. No. Yeah, she's I, not. I, 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 she's not. She's not a hashtag girl boss. She's no the leader of Mandalore. Hashtag the end. Yeah, and she, you know, she doesn't have like that sort of um, arc that sometimes people have um, in Star Wars. Sort of rarely, I would say. Um, people love to make it out like, oh, you know, it's a political thing. Holdo is a political thing, but there, there you know, there's no like sexism based struggle between her and Poe. You yeah. can read it that way, but it's not like, I bet you don't want to follow me because I'm a woman. They they don't do that. It's just like she's there and Poe doesn't like her. Um and with Bo Katan, it's even more neutral than that. Like there is mm-hmm. there's never reference to like Mm, well, if the woman, blah, blah, blah. there's no reference to yeah. like the woman being in power being like, it a strange thing. Yeah, it wouldn't make much sense to me because the the Mandalorian culture, in mm-hmm. if you think about it, in its core is is actually has a has a tremendous amount of equality. Is is that they'll look as both the men and the women, like they don't care if you're a man or a woman. Can you hold a blaster or not? You know, after mm-hmm. after a certain age, the trial of the phoenix, they slap a jetpack on you and they okay, go, don't die. You know, so that's why, and I've and I've seen before, and I agree with this wholly, that Din Djarin is an excellent example of someone being respectful of the people around them because of the fact that he doesn't care that you're a man or or woman. He cares about the fact that you are loyal and that you can support, and he supports mm-hmm. the people around them, like Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, um, uh, Fennec Shand, like that squad at the end of that episode was like you weren't looking at them as a as a as a squad of women you were looking at them as you got your tank you got your sniper you got your <laughs> close quarter combat specialist you got you got your ranger uh so it's it's interesting to see how a character like Bo-Katan isn't perceived because of the fact that she's a woman she's perceived as a warrior right and that's what that predominates the the culture of the Mandalorians and I feel like the way that she was written with that as a goal came off pretty successful yeah, yeah like I feel when, like the, the the ancient Mandalorians were like they were not men and women; they were Mandalorians, right? And that's that's how they seem to approach it. And I think when like characters are written that way, when it's sort of like gender blind, people tend to be more accepting of it. And then as soon as you sort of mention the idea of like maybe people take her less seriously because she's a woman, then people are like, "That doesn't happen. Go away." You know, like they they don't really vibe with that because at that point it becomes like political in some way and people are like not down to watch that a lot of the time um but because you know it, it wasn't like a part of her character then i think that has a lot to do with like why people liked it were you know fine to accept it no problem um and it's interesting <laughs> because you know gender is not a part of ray's story either but you know she's feminist agenda whatever according to people and you know it's sort of like Mm. a moving target at times so i don't know they liked her because she was a badass and had like i guess an objective reason why she must be a badass and that was enough to to be like oh yeah we're not even going to question that she's a girl you know she's just there um so you know good for her on that i do think it's like symptomatic of um sort of like a problem of like you know, female characters can only be a certain way in order for everyone to just be like chill with their existence. Mm. But yeah. Well, while we take a minute to mull over the supposed feminist agendas in Star Wars, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of Death Watch is also brought to you by Skull Square Design Company. 
We're also huge fans of The Mandalorian, as well as Star Wars in general, and we wanted to share that love by making gifts for our fellow fans of Mando and the Child. Whether you wanted some flair while enjoying your favorite beverage in Oga's Cantina, or wanted to covertly show your support to the Resistance while exploring Batuu, we've got gifts for everybody. And not just Star Wars fans, but Marvel and Disney fans too. Check us out at SkullSquared.com or follow us on social media at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in... See y'all real soon! And we're back. So Hannah, I've got a question for you. We we have seen, and uh, there's a lot of info on where Bo-Katan fits in terms of the Clone Wars, in terms of the and, and, and Rebels. We've seen her now, you know, a few years after the fall of the Empire and the Mandalorian. Where do you expect to see the future of Bo-Katan as a character going uh, this point forward? Um, well, I know that she's not going to be giving up so easily on her her quest to, um, you know, restore Mandalore. So whether that has to do with, like, entrusting it to, um, to Din or, you know, trying to take it for herself, I think that she is going to be very present in that process. And I think she's going to be sort of centrally focused on her home world the way that she kind of always has been. I don't think that we're going to see her bleeding necessarily into a lot of, like, non-Mandalore stories because, you know, Mandalore really is her passion. So unless it's something that she's doing in order to mm -hmm. secure Mandalore, I, like, I don't see her joining, you know, um, the <laughs> the New Republic in any, you know, official capacity. Yeah. I guess other than, like, as the ruler of Mandalore. But, you know, I don't think that she's going to be fighting on the front lines for that. Um, I think that she, you know, has, like, a very, a very single-minded interest and she cares a lot about, like, her culture and her homeworld. Um, that being said, um, that sort of brings up like, where can we see Mandalore going forward? Um, and I mean, there's a lot of TV shows that we've got lined up. I'm sure that one of them, because Mandalore is just such an important part of like Star Wars in terms of it sort of helps you recalibrate to like, this is one galaxy, but then there's an entirely different galaxy happening here. And then there's another galaxy happening here. And Mandalore is one of those like, different stories that um doesn't really align with necessarily what is always going on in the rest of the galaxy um which always makes things interesting and that's why i think it's more commonly seen in tv shows than the films um because you know the films are all about like that main story and that main agenda you know the jedi um whereas mandalorians are like anti-jedi um but i i think that we'll totally see her in ahsoka to be honest, I know that like the Mandalorian is going to be her main thing, but whether or not that's a flashback, I feel like there just has to be an establishment in some way of like why she and Ahsoka are besties now. Because I know that like mm -hmm. they already ended the Clone Wars trusting one another, but like why was you know Bo the invocation of Bo Katan's name enough to get Ahsoka to stop you know slashing at Din? What could be an opportunity for a tie-in for Sabine, who, who you know? likely is connected with ahsoka still because of her search for ezra or for thrawn and all that and likely sabine is still identifying as a mandalorian and would be connected with someone trying to be the leader of the mandalorian so it would be a it could be as a conversation between sabine and and ahsoka be like oh yeah by the way 
Bo-Katan and I were having ice cream the other day. And <laughs> you know, we just we, met for, we were thinking for, of you. We just met some coffee over some Brain coffee. Just had a, you know, I do, I do agree yeah. with you. Like we probably won't see it in Republic Rangers, maybe in Ahsoka. Um, I definitely do see tie-ins with Sabine because her family is still there. Her family is still alive on, on Mandalore um, and a or whatever's left of it. So there's a possibility that we'll see. That we know of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, in yeah. terms of Din Djarin, yeah, exactly. In in terms of Din Djarin, um, do you think that I she's think going that, to continue um, to be an ally to him? As long as Din is not going to stand in her way necessarily, because he he pretty clearly doesn't want to rule Mandalore and doesn't want to like be taking that away from her. Um, so as long as he sort of uh, you know, doesn't like interfere with her plans. I think that um, she'll stay by his side. And if yeah, I think too. You know, it it's an interesting question about whether um, um, Dinjarin's like progression as a person, maturing sort of as someone who was kind of an outlaw bounty hunter, but then becoming a, a father figure to Grogu and. Like, is his progression as a character to become someone who'd be in leadership and step up at this moment that is offered to him? Or does he try everything he can to give her the Darksaber back away and head back to, like, the life of a bounty hunter? Um, I think that would be interesting. I, I do think if he, if there's some, I was trying to think of an, an analogy to, like, current government, but, like, if... um he was like the ruler and Bo-Katan was like, the, like if he was like the king of Mandalore and she was like the, um, the prime minister. <laughs> yeah. Running, running the government. Um, but not actually the, like the monarch. I think that would be interesting too. That kind of makes sense because I've been watching the crown and, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to learn exactly how complicated, um, British politics are. But I think I understand if you were to compare it, it is it is very much like a similar system where you have the royalty, which is representative of something higher, but then you actually have the, the prime minister doing the job, which is, I think, even less of a job that Din Djarin wants to do. But I also exactly. imagine that that's in order for them not to kill each other. That's probably how they would how they would work together. There's um there's a fan comic that I've been following and uh, the artist's name is Katie Comics. And she's been doing this sort of alternate universe um, storyline of Grogu is at the temp Jedi Temple. Uh, Luke finally, you know, he kind of th feels, okay, Grogu, maybe the path of the Jedi isn't for you. Maybe we should, you know, get you back to your dad because you miss him so much. And then he gets that to happen. Han Solo delivers the child over because, you know, what's Han Solo doing post post-rebellion he's like neglecting his child i guess exactly <laughs> you know apparently so no no actually no he goes ben is with him so you get to see little ben hand off there we go yeah so there's have a little they have a little play date um so he gets he hands him back to bogatan din jaren's on a mission in the meantime and where i've gotten so far and then this is where i kind of hope it doesn't happen is bogatan is kind of holding the child ransom and she's like, "We're gonna do this. You and I are gonna fight. Here's your spe here's um, here's the spear. You got the dark saber. Let's do this." And Din Djarin doesn't have a choice because normally he wouldn't want to fight Bo-Katan, 
but now that the child's involved and it kind of seems like a sneaky, bold thing for, for Bo-Katan to do, he might go through with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm That's just hoping... going to end in Bo-Katan getting killed. Yeah, There's no exactly. way that's going to end any other way. No, I, I, again, I hope it doesn't happen. I want these characters to flourish, but if things go kind of the way that they are going, that end up, may end up happening that we'll see on screen. And... Yeah, you know, when you when you write the character that in a certain way, you're only going to see a certain result at the end. So, yeah, I could see that happening, though. To be honest, I mean, if if she really needs to coerce him into a fight, there is no other way. Yeah, I mean, nobody touched Baby Yoda. Like, you don't, you just don't do that, man. You just don't do that. He's too cute. Yeah. Now he's got Luke Skywalker, Din Djarin, and R two D two all protecting him yeah how are you how could you get to that guy and depending on his mood han solo and chewbacca yeah depending on you know if they got something better to do (laughs) one question that i like to ask the guests is what could go wrong now that we see certain things happening in the star wars universe um how is this going to affect the the future of the timeline in terms of writing the inclusion of of certain characters like what are some of the faults that you see in the character that could end up being an obstacle for the way that she is written in the future well I'll, i will say this i really hope that they don't bungle her re- redemption arc because what makes her so exciting is that you know she's in the middle of sort of a redemption arc and um if they you know really sort of utilize like her worst qualities and her most power hungry qualities and she sort of backslides into her old ways i think that that would Mm -hmm. be a real shame um because it really you know is exciting to watch someone um go down the path that she's going down Mm -hmm. but i mean it's only exciting because of the notion that she could backslide so maybe that is like a good direction to go in um but it's just sort of a precarious path i guess you don't want to you don't want to mess with like a really good like sort of change of heart um but you know i mean sometimes that change of heart is it has to happen um after those those challenges like um, i guess um like zuko in avatar the last airbender he was so close to his redemption arc and then he decided to um side with his sister instead of katara um and that made it all the more interesting um mm-hmm. but uh it really like it, it it's a good arc that they've got going and i'm i'm scared mm-hmm. i guess per, on a personal level of like oh i don't want them to like make her the villain again um yeah but and can i ruin um the last jedi for you oh yeah i guess so so it's like that moment when um ben solo has an opportunity to redeem himself on the bridge mm-hmm. of the the cruiser and then he decides to take back the power and stay on the dark side yeah i mean then it would be too early for him to redeem himself there you know it's it's only movie number two you gotta you gotta stretch out the villain for another movie i think that that was that was not um a disservice to his character necessarily not not cutting him in two like snoke but okay (laughs) yikes um taking his legs out from under him (laughs) he he has to split Oh. <laughs> um, okay well I think that's that's everything for us thank you Hannah for your time and for your yeah, input absolutely. Um, how are you feeling about we just did an episode on Thrawn with V uh, how do you think he's gonna fit in if he fits in at all in the in the future and do you think that that Bo-Katan and Thrawn are ever gonna meet 
It's possible. I think um, because we sort of talked about how Bo-Katan could show up <laughs> on um, the Ahsoka show and because they've kind of already set up that Thrawn is going to be like the villain of the Ahsoka show and like her goal um, if we are picking up the Ahsoka show exactly where we left off with Ahsoka um, in Mando, then I think that there's a possibility that they could interact. Um, and I know that Bo-Katan is really no fan of the Empire. Um, you know, she she's not, like, dedicated her life to fighting them, but at the same time, you know, they've screwed her over a few times. I don't think yeah. she would take too kindly um, to him, uh, especially... If he's got, I don't know, like what his agenda would be with Ahsoka, I suppose, um, and like why she's so desperate to find him. But I guess we'll find out. That's I'm eagerly anticipating to to see what that that could be because it it's too many Easter eggs and too many little tiny plot devices for him to not have some sort of like. I'm really hoping they don't do what they did with Snoke, which is boom, 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 evil bad guy, puppet master pulling the strings, shows up finally five minutes and he gets cut and he gets no, his uh, screen time cut in half he's not the villain he's the he, he's a device for kylo <laughs> ren kylo guess, is the important yeah. one Snoke's not that important he had to kill his abuser he had to he was the important you know what that's all that's actually something i love to talk to brooke about that's a great that's a great point um he's just another puppet for the puppet master right who's also puppeteering another what if we find Grand Admiral Thrawn and then we find another clone of the Emperor who becomes the bad guy of the Mandalorian too? Maybe it's I got, Ray's I got dad. one better. You got <laughs> Ray's dad, the failed Palpatine clone. Uh, what if Thrawn has a clone and then Thrawn what if and Thrawn his clone is Ray's dad? <laughs> uh, nah. Um. We need to get on Star Wars Theory channel oh, and God. put out some of these ideas. If he's going to be throwing out lies, we might as well just throw lies of our own. Right? It's all out at that point. If everything is un- is just completely just unbased off of, you know what, I'm just going to start spewing my own and call it fan fiction. Kathleen we Kennedy was so upset about being fired every week that she decided to retcon The Last Jedi and say that Thrawn is the father. <laughs> I buy that. Uh, I buy that. And we have to make that the title of the video, and it's in all caps. Thrawn is a bunch father. of exclamation marks. Yeah. Maury just, Povich on something. I was going to say, just like, like a picture of Maury, just like reading the cards, and it's like, Thrawn is the father. I'm Thrawn, you are the not the father. Uh, man, I, that would be great is Admiral Thrawn hopping up and down on a Maury Povich stage, like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> no child support for me. Yeah. Oh, man. I believe that. I would totally believe that. We were trying to end this and we just we blew it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's that's how it usually goes. So, Hannah, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and what's the best way to, to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am on TikTok at Discount Bo-Katan. Um, I also host the um, Star Horrors podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Um, and my Instagram is H.M. Peterson, H-M-P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N, if you'd like to follow me there. Cool. Thanks a lot, Hannah. And, and yeah. speaking of social media, we're also on TikTok and Instagram uh, starting this coming Monday, which is going to be the 29th. I'll be doing another Mando Monday giveaway. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'll be doing that on TikTok. I'll be doing some Instagram uh, giveaways as well. 
And you got to check out Chris's cool dark saber. Oh yeah. That, I hope, I hope we're going to see some dark saber helicopters. Oh, don't, don't tempt me, man. <laughs> don't tempt me at this point. <laughs> yeah. I actually just, oh, you know, what would be cool is a dark saber ceiling fan. Oh <laughs> man. With the working, with the working the dark lights saber and everything. Blades. Yeah. Just it, tape them on. Goes, whoa, 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 makes this happen. <laughs> I'll make, I'll make it happen awesome yeah um so if you're listening i just finished building uh the dark saber with working lights and sound um everything except for the electronics was completely 3d printed so i'm going to do a sort of a, a reveal for that later on I'm just editing the videos to do it but um, i'm really excited to show you guys and now i gotta make a helicopter <laughs> double bladed dark saber so yeah. that i can appease appease mr Faloni finally <laughs> yes lay it at the shrine of dave <laughs> i need to get a hat all right that's all for this episode thank you for joining us if you like this episode please subscribe and share and write a review on apple podcasts it's the best way for people to find us and it helps our show move up in the star wars podcast rankings also please follow us on instagram at death watch podcast twitter at death Watchcast. And if you have any comments, omissions, or suggestions for upcoming episodes, you can email us at deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to feature it on future episodes. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. All right. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>